back to the Love Your Story podcast. Today, we're talking about one of the things that oh, is a major definer in our stories, a major definer of if we move forward, if we don't move at all, if we move backward, we're talking about fear. This might be the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of the unknown. Well, we all know fear. We've come up short as the fear of rejection stopped us from being vulnerable with someone or stopped us from creating a relationship or stopped us from sharing ourselves or an idea. We've known fear of failure as we've contemplated doing something risky and then done an about face as the wash of what if it doesn't work engulfs us. Fear of failure, fear of the unknown. These are all internally generated. Now, these fears come from an evolution-based circumstances and need to be part of a community, so not wanting to alienate others. A need to know outcomes, which of course generates the fear of the unknown. A need to survive. Fear of the dark stems from being in a space where our senses cannot inform us of what is around us. It's very natural to fear not knowing. Fear is a big part of the human experience, but facing fear is the only way through it. Stay tuned for a head-on tackle of this all-too-familiar topic that we all deal with. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. In order to manage fear and to gauge which actions we will take and which ones we won't, we ask what if questions. What if I try this and I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if I make a decision and in a few years I'm not happy? What if people think I'm stupid or if I ruin my reputation? What if my idea is too elementary? What if I get told no? What if I get hurt? It's perfectly normal to ask these questions. It's how we gauge risk. But there is a point where these questions quit serving us and they simply hold us back, paralyze us, keep us small. Here are a few other questions to ask yourself after you've listened to all the self-preservation questions. What if it didn't work out? Does the world really end? Would I regret the courage and adventure of trying for this, of attempting to live bigger, of loving and risking for a life with the most potential? What if it did work out? What adventures might I find along the way? What will I learn as I let myself focus on success instead of fear? What's really possible if I choose courage and possibility instead of fear? Do I want to still be who I am and where I am now, five years from now? Let me share a personal story. A few weeks ago, I headed out on a backpacking trip with nine other people into the Wallawa mountain range. You'll remember Lydia McGranahan, the woman who found Annie Schmidt's body, and Marty Newey, the man in Annie Schmidt's search party, from the episodes we did on her earlier in the podcast, the, the finding of Annie Schmidt. These two were key players in that. 
through my interviews with them, I have developed relationships with them and was invited to join this group on their annual adventure because we all wanted to meet and because we all love nature and adventures. And because with my experience as an outdoor recreationalist, being a hiking guidebook writer, they believed I would be up for the challenge, as did I. So we all carpooled to Oregon, a group of nine people. I had four in my car with every intention that we would be spending the next five days together in the mountains. The plan was that we'd start out with a six mile day and then a 12 mile and then a five mile and then a 10 mile and then a four mile with daily side hikes tacked on as we wanted. Well, I've spent many years backpacking and I know my limits. Well, I know that with a full pack, I can punch out eight miles a day before my feet and resolve have worn out. That's just about where I start hitting the misery point. But I had really wanted to come with this group. And I figured if Marty, who is almost 60, could pump out that type of mileage, I could push through it. I went in with hope. But by the end of day one, which had actually turned out to be about a mile and a half longer than projected, so we were up to about seven and a half, I was at my max for the day, and I didn't want to think about getting up bright and early as the sun warmed my tent, strapping my backpack on my aching hips and shoulders, and kicking out an additional 12 miles on top of what we had already done. The pace would be grueling. We'd climbed 3,000 feet that first day with a full pack, It had been a good day, but now we were at this beautiful mountain lake seven and a half miles into the Wallowa Whitman National Forest, and setting up a base camp was what I would do if left to my own devices. I'd set up this base camp, do day hikes without the pack, and take time for taking it all in. My 17-year-old son was feeling similarly tired, and I contemplated how to deal with the situation. We had driven 500 miles to backpack with this group of people that I was anxious to spend more time with. We had been invited because they felt we were capable of the trip. I had a reputation as an outdoor recreationalist and expert in some cases because of my books. And now here I was contemplating the best step forward, which might include some type of separation from the group. I considered the fear of disappointing others, the fear of damaging my reputation, the fear that I was being selfish. As I discussed it with my son, he said, Mom, I'd love to stay and do the base camp, but you just can't. These people really look up to you and you'll blow your reputation. (laughs) Well, with my typical inability to bottle my thoughts and emotions, that night I faced the fears in order to be true to what I felt like I could reasonably do. At first, I think Lydia thought I was joking around, but I finally said, you know, I do nature differently than you do. You guys are incredible athletes and you put your head down and you challenge the mountain and you cruise through it. But I like to be in it. I like to sit by the lakes and spend time writing and meditating in the trees. I like to go at a pace that allows me to lift my eyes off the rocky trail and see what I'm hiking through. I want to set up a base camp. I changed the subject by suggesting we have group prayer before bed, and I told them I loved them all, and then I crawled into my tent. I tossed and turned a lot of the night, trying to decide if I dared actually break away from these beautiful people that I had come to spend the week with. I didn't want to break away from them. I didn't want to miss this opportunity to spend days and nights in the mountains with them, because those are powerful spaces. I wanted time with each and every one of them, but I also knew my limitations. 
Interestingly, in the morning, Marty approached me. He was the one that had sort of organized the whole trip and brought everyone together. He's the, the linchpin. And in his thoughtful way, he, he tried to make it sound as if I'd be doing him a favor if I could stay with a base group of others who weren't wanting to tackle the aggressive schedule either. As it turned out, we broke into two groups. A group of five headed off over the passes and pumped out 50 miles over the next four days. And my group put in 20 miles and 4,000 feet of elevation gain. As we parted ways that day, I said to Marty, everything is turning out exactly as it's supposed to. That was my consolatory comment as I broke up the group that he'd so carefully put together. I didn't know what the supposed to was going to look like, but I knew that facing my fears, my limitations, providing a space for others to enjoy the different way of experiencing the trip felt like the right thing to do. And was it ever? What we got in in group A, as we called ourselves, what we got was time swimming in three different lakes, Aneroid, Wallawa, and a small pond along the trail that we stopped midway to um, get a refreshing, cooling jump in the water. We got a night sitting under the eave of a cabin during a thunderstorm, watching the lightning over the incredible, brilliant Stark Mountains, while our friends were backpacking their way over the passes and sloshing through the storm. We played cards and met Dennis the groundskeeper who managed a collection of hundred-year-old rustic cabins around the lake. We talked and laughed and hiked, and in the end, four people who hadn't known one another before the trip were the best of friends, like family. We had time to really get to know one another in a way that we certainly would not have with the dilution of the larger group. I tell this story to illustrate my personal fears that popped up in something recently. And personal fears pop up all the time. This is just the most recent one. Was my reputation damaged? Did I disappoint others in the group? I don't know the answers to those questions. I think perhaps a little But by facing those fears instead of letting them dictate and push me into a space I was not comfortable in, the right things happened. It was interesting to watch the wonderful serendipity that accompanied our group. Megan had brought a sleeping bag that wasn't warm enough for the 32-degree nights. She started throwing out the idea the next morning after freezing her butt off the night before. She started throwing out the idea of finding another camper and buying a blanket off them, their dog blanket or something, anything. She just wanted warmth. And then Dennis, the groundkeeper, shows up in the rainstorm. He offers us shelter. And when she broached the subject of buying a blanket from him later, he gave us three big wool blankets we could use during the cold night at higher elevation. And then we could return them to him before we left. So it wasn't an added weight on our pack. It was kind of the best possible scenario. In order to keep Megan warm, Ethan and I crowded three people into her two-person tent, which turned out perfect because the elastic in my tent poles was shot and my tent had to be jimmy-rigged into a claustrophobic lowrider that wasn't fun for anything except lying flat on your back. Dan's decision, the fourth member in our party, to join us was perfect because his sense of humor and easygoing nature, his connection with Megan and appreciation of Ethan made the group dynamic exactly what it needed to be, so much better than if he wouldn't have been there. I had time alone with Megan to conduct an interview with her for this podcast, and we were able to talk about her attempted suicide and her story leading up to those events in her life. 
We sang at the top of our lungs as we drove home. We laughed and ordered pizza and found suckers with scorpions in them, which was apparently on Ethan's bucket list. In short, it was exactly what it needed to be. And it was made possible because I faced my fears of social rejection through the damage of my reputation. And as it turned out, facing my fear of upsetting others because I had a desire to take a different approach to our situation was instead met with others who also appreciated the opportunity to take my desired approach. If I had let the fears dictate my direction, an entirely different experience would have unfolded. And I think that experience would have contained a lot of misery. Nelson Mandela said, quote, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not the one who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Unquote. If you are living a life that is not fulfilling, a life dead with boredom, a story where the possibilities for rich, passionate living have been left in the past, on the table, lost in the recesses of a younger you, or maybe your life just needs a bit of an update or you want a relationship you don't have, or to learn something new. Your choice is to either stay in the comfort zone that has brought you to your current space, or to manage the questions and fears that keep you creating what you are creating. Events themselves only hold the power we give them. Even the information our senses bring us do not have meaning in and of themselves. They're information that we then give meaning to. We are the meaning creators. That means we also have the capability to shift the meanings that we are giving our fears. Fear of failure is a projection of events into the future. What if the projection was one of success instead? Let me share a couple of things to consider as we discuss overcoming the fear of failure the fear of rejection, the fear of the unknown. Number one, reframe your mindset about failure. Would it really be so horrible to try and in the worst outcome learn rather than get the outcome you expected? We live and we learn. That's what we do. Mistakes are just mistakes. We can always regroup. In the movie Thor Ragnarok, a Marvel comic film, Thor says, quote, Oh, I make grave mistakes all the time. Everything seems to work out, unquote. I think we can also, when we're reframing our mindset about failure, define what is failure to us. Maybe failure is simply not getting back up when you fall down. Maybe failure is not that everything went perfectly. Maybe it's not trying. What is failure really? Consider that reframe and then it's less scary because you don't have to have it turn out exactly as you expect or else it is failure. Number two, realize that the journey and the courage for the journey is the beauty of creating and you get to do it your way. The mindset focused on success is far more likely to succeed than the mindset based on fear. Choose your mindset, create whatever fabulous space that you want to do it your way as you head out on the journey of whatever it is that you want. Number three, get excited about the things that you're trying for. These things, whatever they are that you want to add to your life that are just out of reach because of your fear. 
push through those because you want that passion. You want that stretch. You want to try the things that your soul is yearning for before you leave this life. Get excited about what it is that you're going for because that excitement pushes you through the fear. There's thrilling possibility. Picture the success and let the excitement well up in you. Four, consider inaction. If you were the exact same person you are today in five years, would you be happy with that? If not, then action is required. And five, faith is the opposite of fear. Fear is of the devil to stop us. Faith is the power to envision, believe, and create a literal power. Which one do you choose? Which one will define your forward movement? Which one will define your story? Another quote from Thor and Ragnarok that I loved from the story perspective is, quote, I choose to run toward my problems, not away from them, because that's what heroes do, unquote. So here's an example of a hero move. A woman named Christine Lavulo shares her story of running up against fear in her career and how she dealt with it. Hi, my name is Christine Lavulo. I am a transformational life coach and also a trainer for what's called the Success Principles, a program developed by Jack Canfield. You would know him as the chicken soup for the soul guy. Anyway, I got involved with Jack Canfield back in October um, as I was trying to go on this journey of knowing I needed to transition to more of a coach, trainer, um, you know, help people move their life forward. It just was a really good fit. So I went ahead and dove in um, without even thinking about it and became a certified trainer for his success principles. And in that, um, more recently, I had started to create a really good business. I had been doing some coaching um, and really started my new first workshop in teaching a half day success principles training. And I held my first workshop. And even though it was kind of small, only about five people were there in attendance. It was really good. It just, I left feeling completely elated and just completely convicted in my journey and my path and knowing this is my life purpose. The feedback was incredible. I had all this momentum. I started getting excited and um, talking to a friend in Phoenix and knowing I was going to be going to Phoenix the next month, I went ahead and said, hey, let's go ahead and put on a success principles workshop there at the end of my event. And I went ahead and booked my next one in Salt Lake and I was so excited and there was all this motivation and momentum going. And then all of a sudden, just this massive fear started creeping up. And because when I first posted my two events in Phoenix and Salt Lake, I didn't have people flocking to buy tickets. I started getting afraid that nobody was going to buy tickets. And I started feeling that fear to move forward and started going back into a place of, you know, depression and anxiety and fear, just truly just complete fear. I guess a fear of failure, a fear of you know, nobody truly receiving what I was trying to give, I guess. And in sitting in that place, I started thinking I should cancel both of the events. Matter of fact, I went so far as thinking I should not go to my week long retreat that I have had planned since October with Jack Canfield. Um, I thought about just bailing on it, not going, um, not really where you want to be as a life coach, obviously. (laughs) And, um, I knew I had to do something. I knew that, that, um, I'd had a revelation that it wasn't going to be the things I say, but the way I live my life that would inspire people. And so, um, 
I did what Jack Canfield has taught me to do, and that's to feel the fear and take action anyway. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to go back to work full time. I didn't want to turn my back on what I had been building. And most importantly, this was something that I had a burning desire I needed to do for so long. I could not turn my back on it. So what I did is I just had to press forward. Um, I had to remind myself of why this journey was what I was on, why I felt like this was my calling, why I felt that like this was my purpose. I had to dig deep and find out what it was that made me really step forward in the first place. I went back and reread the comments from my workshop, the things that the people had said, the things that they had gotten out of it. Um, I went back and kind of redeveloped my conviction. And as I pressed forward and really just exercised faith, not just faith in God, but really faith in myself, I really started to get my confidence back. Um, I even started getting new ideas, how I could market, how I could get the word out, how I could promote this more, how I might be able to get more attendees to my workshop, what other workshops I might do. I just had thoughts and new ideas flooding me. And mainly I just started going back to the basics of what I would teach my clients to do. Um, I started reading more personal development, started really um, thinking about my affirmations. What do I really want in life? And when I combine all those things, it really helped me to, to move forward, to get out of that place of fear and really take those steps again forward in faith and get back to who I am and who I really want to be. There's a story I will end with. It's called The Giant. I found this story in the book called Lead with a Story by Paul Smith. Once upon a time in a land far away, there lived a very bright and trustworthy young woman. Having learned all she could in her own village, she set out to explore the neighboring lands. After some time, she came upon a great city surrounded by a huge castle wall. Surely I can learn something new from the people here, she thought to herself. But after entering the city, she found its people too frightened and depressed to share any wisdom. Why is everyone here so sad, she asked. One trembling citizen answered, Today is the day the giant comes. Giant, she scoffed in disbelief. There's no such thing as giants. Oh, but there is, came the response. He stands over ten feet tall. So tall he can't rightly be called a man at all. Skeptical but intrigued, the young woman pleaded, Tell me more of this giant. So the frightened citizen nervously explained to her, Every year, on the same day and at the same hour, he comes down from the mountain where he lives. He stands at the edge of the clearing and yells, Send out your bravest man for me to fight, or I will knock down these walls and kill everyone inside. Each year, one poor, valiant soul steps out to face the giant, and there he stands, mesmerized by the giant's enormity and the impossible task ahead. Every year, the giant slays the poor warrior where he stands before he even draws his sword. The warrior doesn't even move. It's as if he's hypnotized. Eyes wide with fascination, the woman begs, Can I see the giant? The only way to see the giant, the citizen explains, is to face him in battle. Eager to learn, the woman responded, Then that is what I will do. 
Shortly thereafter, the voice of the giant rang through the village and the woman stepped out to meet him. She looked out across the clearing to the edge of the forest at the foothills of the mountain. Sure enough, there stood an enormous giant. For a moment, she just stood and stared at him from a distance. There was gentle rise in the ground separating the two, so she could only see him from the waist up. It was difficult to tell exactly how big he was, but he was clearly taller than any man she had ever seen or heard of. She was struck with the same awe and terror all of her predecessors surely felt at that moment. The giant was real. Facing him today, surely she would die. She considered running back inside the castle walls, but she had given her word to the people to face their giant. So with all the bravery she could muster, she began to walk tentatively toward the giant, and the giant began to walk toward her. After a few paces up the gentle incline, she gained full line of sight to the giant and she could see his whole form. With a better angle, she could tell he was not nearly the 10 feet in height she had first believed, but was perhaps only seven feet tall. He was still massive, but at least now in human proportions. She was still no match for him, but at least she would meet her defeat at the hands of something recognizable. With that element of the unknown removed, she was able to walk at a normal pace, and after a few more steps, the giant appeared to be still smaller. Was this some strange optical illusion? The giant appeared to be not much bigger than she was now. She might actually have a chance. With this new hope, her pace quickened, and with every step she could tell it was no illusion, the giant was actually shrinking before her very eyes, and the faster she ran, the faster the giant shrank. Her terror had turned to hope, and now that hope had turned to confidence. Certain of her victory, she was now in an all-out sprint toward the giant. As she reached the middle of the clearing, she stopped and stood toe-to-toe with the giant, who was now only 12 inches tall and still shrinking. She reached down and picked him up in the palm of her hand. She only had time to ask one question before he disappeared. "'Who are you?' she said." The giant responded in a tiny and dwindling voice. I am known by many names, but to your people, I am known as fear. When I started the Love Your Story podcast, there was fear of many things. Fear of being sought pedantic, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of vulnerability, and sharing too much. Fear of telling my own story. Fear of wasting time and money on something that might not bear any results. I still feel fear when I create something new. When I created the 21 challenges, I feared no one would sign up. When I create classes and tools, I fear no one will want them. As I create the retreat that's coming up in January of 2019, I face the fear that no one will want to come to the retreat. In hindsight, I rejoice that I faced and overcame each fear that I pushed past them because of what I have created, because of the people who have been on this path with me, because of who I am now versus who I was then. The giant is so small now around so many things. I have to look back and remember, oh yeah, I was afraid of that. Isn't that interesting? This past weekend, I was at a repelling event and I watched a woman who had never repelled face her fear. The going was very slow as she let herself off the cliff ledge, and the wrap down was inch by inch. But once the fear was faced, the giant was smaller. Her second time down was twice as fast, and her anxiety was significantly reduced. One step at a time, we move forward. One step at a time, the giant shrinks. Take the step before you. 
just one step at a time. Take action, people. We all make mistakes, lots of them. That's part of the game. Don't let the fear of not hitting the home run stop you from getting in the game. If you don't step up to bat, you're just going to sit on the sidelines. And that's not much of a story. Everyone who ever learned how to walk fell down over and over again. Everyone who learned to play an instrument has hit a thousand wrong notes. Everyone who learned to play a sport missed lots of shots. We don't ever learn something new without making mistakes. They're a fact of life and they're okay. So when the fear boils up in you, the fear of making a mistake, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, just remember that facing the fear is what will make it smaller. Facing the fear is the only way to go, learn, be, or do anything that sits on the other side of that block. And that maybe exactly what you need is found on the other side of that fear. Remember, courage creates possibility and one heck of a better story. Thanks for being with me today. Your challenge for the week is to find one thing that you're afraid of, one thing that's popping up, one space that you're holding back in just because there's a little tinge of fear there. And then push past it. Just do it. Your challenge this week, push past the thing that's making you uncomfortable. It becomes easier with practice, and as the giant gets smaller, you are running at a much faster pace forward. The more you face your fears, the smaller they get. So go face one. It's what the heroes do. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you like the podcast and share it with a friend. The more people who listen, the more good these ideas can do. Share the love, people, and we will see you next week on the Love Your Story podcast. Mm -hmm.